Well, good evening. My name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the privilege and honor of sharing the word with you um, this evening. Um, we are continuing in our worship series, and I hope you find that through the various sermons that have been given that your, your kind of definition of worship has been expanding. Um, I think it's really easy um, because we categorize um, a certain type of music when it's slowed down um, to be worship music. Um, and it could feel like that's the extent of what worship is, or maybe you come to a worship service and, and that's the extent of it. But hopefully it's in this series that it's being expanded for you, maybe some new things you're, you're learning or is affirming some things that you already know. Um, this evening we're going to talk about kind of the transformative nature of worship. Um, and so, like I've entitled this sermon, Transforming Worship, um, meaning more so about us than it is kind of changing what worship is in general. Um, and we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you will stand with me for the reading of the word. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father in heaven, we thank you for an opportunity to get together and gather together um, to be impacted by you that will transform us and change us in a way that we bring more glory to your life, um, to your name, I should say. Daddy, I pray that you will use me as a tool to communicate to your people um, and that we will all be kind of changed because of it. Um, we give you the honor and the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I have to admit, you know, normally when I get up here, man, I'm not scared at all. I'm not nervous. I mean, I'm scared, like, you know, God, I want to say the right things. I don't want to, you know, have to stand before the Lord. And he's like, why did you say that? But I'm not really worried about you guys and kind of your response. If you ever heard me preach, you probably could get that um, sense because it's like I will say some hard things if necessary. Um, but I, I really want um, to come at this topic really well um, because I think it is really something that is essential for us if we're going to grow as a body. Like, like, really, like, if we are going to capture Washington, D.C., I think there's some things that we need to recognize about worship that's not just going to transform our own lives, but it's going to help us to continue to see our children baptized because they're transformed, our co-workers transformed, that, that not, not in the, us winning the city it's going to be from us being able to, to carry love to an area that is devoid of love. And so we have to be really kind of transformed into the image of Christ. Um, but I, my, my concern is, is that we often kind of approach it from a perspective where it's just supposed to happen. Like I remember when I, when I first got right with God, um, even though I grew up in the church, um, I got right with God in 2002, and I was in my early 20s, and, man, I was on fire, you know, like you, 
I'm hanging out with people. And we're doing like all night prayer sessions. And I'm kind of just like, if I go to a worship service, I'm the one jumping or running to the, to the altar and stuff like that. I know you guys have seen some of the campus students when they do that. If you've ever been in one of those environments, I was one of those. Um, and then something happened in my life. I, I kind of hit a wall in my life. And the picture and the image that I had of God, which wasn't really informed through kind of getting to know him through his word as he's revealed himself, but it was found more in the emotions and the energy that I felt in certain spaces. If the preacher was preaching a certain kind of way and goosebumps came up, oh, God was in the building and he, he's really done something. Or if it was um, a song that I'm, I remember Fred Hammond and I would cry, man, I would just be bawling and, and stuff like that because it, it hit me in an emotional space. But when life hit me, my wife and I, we have four kids, and my boys are mine. Um, they're not mine biologically, but they're mine. I don't refer to them as my stepsons. The first time we got pregnant, um, I remember, man, I was so excited. And the little small church that we were in, we had an apostle come into the building. And I'm like, apostle, please pray for my wife that we'll have a healthy child. And, man, I was just so excited about the possibilities. And would this child have green eyes like mine? Would they look? I was, you know, I wanted a little boy and things like that. And I still remember when, when my wife, she said something is wrong. It was on a Sunday. We had to go to to the hospital. It was the longest day that I think I've had in the hospital, you know, that didn't have something to do with me physically. And the doctor told us that, I remember he said that there was like a 50% chance that we were going to lose the baby. And I, I wanted to stand in faith. I, I, no, my God, my, I, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There's a 50% chance that the baby will live. And then we lost the baby. And early in my walk with God, it was because it was just based on the fuel of the moment, of the worship moments and things like that, I don't think I could have handled it if I hadn't started to get into the Word. If I hadn't started to get to know Him. And as we think about this worship series, a part of it, Pastor AJ started it off about to know him is to worship him. It was coming into a, a relationship with him that I began to see his beauty that wasn't connected to what he would give me. It's just who he is. When we got the news from the doctor, I remember not wanting to cry in front of my wife. For some reason, I felt like it was important for me to be the strong one. So I scurried out of the room, went into the parking lot. I remember crying. And it felt like it was a fork in the road. And this way was the pain of loss, and that God, you could have done something. I know you could have healed this baby. I know that you could have saved my child. 
you must not love me. And then there was this path. I don't know why, but I know you love me because of the cross. And by God's grace, I went this way. And I worshiped in the parking lot. Some of the worst pain I ever felt. It's more than just a song. It was more than just an exciting sermon. This is deep pain. And I'm like, God, I love you. Thank you that you put on human flesh and was willing to die for me. Worship that transforms goes beyond the feelings of when it feels good. What Paul here is doing in the beginning of this verse as he's transitioned in Romans from the doctrinal statements of helping us to understand that we're no longer condemned, that, that there's, there's this eternal life that is given by, it's the free gift of eternal life that is given through Jesus Christ. Goes through these doctrinal statements. He's moving into a space of how do you live it out? The first thing he says is, I appeal to you, therefore. Everything that I've said, I'm appealing to you. You know, it hit me that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this. And if you think of Paul, the apostle, he had authority. But I like to roll it up. God himself doesn't, he's not demanding, he's appealing. Amen. He's appealing to us. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Why is he appealing? What is it that is on Paul's mind? What is the Holy Spirit trying to get to us to, to, to move away from? What kind of thoughts is he trying to get us um, to or to recognize the situation that we're in. And I think that's found back in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There is a position that the world has. And it's what inspires Paul in verse 2 to say, do not be conformed to the world. There's a position that the world has that has us at odds with God. But the the appeal, sometimes we, we look over it or what I think Paul may be thinking of when he's thinking about therefore is that it's against all ungodliness. This world has taught us how to do life without God. Please hear that. Because sometimes we want to boil it down to, do you drink and smoke and sex outside of marriage and some of the vices that are easily kind of found, but primarily it is ungodliness. Us not wanting to be like our creator. And this has put us in a precarious position. 
Another reason why I think it's important for us to hear the appeal, because in verse 21 of chapter 1, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. The way that God's wrath is being revealed is through futile thinking. In some versions it says depraved thinking. What does that mean, though? Primarily, that our thoughts of God are wrong. We don't think of God well. We don't see him right. Sometimes when we look at worship just as the songs, we begin to presume on who God is, and we don't find out how he has revealed himself in the world, excuse me, in his word. Because we're making those presumptions, we're not recognizing that the entire framework of how our world is, is one that is built on futile thinking. I hope I'm saying that so that you can understand it. Because if we don't grasp that the world does not think well, we will continue to look at various pathways to what the good life is according to the world. And we'll ask God to give us that pathway. And when he does, now we think we're worshiping because he's done something. But maybe you're really under the wrath of God because of your ungodliness. Does that make sense? Please talk to me. If we don't recognize that the framework that we've been raised up in, the way that things are done, that are independent from God, then we won't feel this sense of urgency that Paul is trying to get to us, that the Holy Spirit is trying to bring about to us, that we need to present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. Because what will happen is that you will hold on to what Mama and them said. You'll hold on to what my culture does. You will hold on to ways that are diametrically opposed to godliness. You got to hear the appeal. Brothers, present yourselves as living sacrifices. holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's really interesting as you look at, if you ever, like, as you learn, as you're studying your Bible, I would encourage you to look at different versions. And sometimes what you'll discover, especially if you don't know the original languages, I know Pastor AJ likes to come up and flex all of his Greek and things like that, but I won't do that to you guys this evening. But when you see in different versions that some say spiritual worship, some proper worship, some says reasonable ser- um, is your reasonable service, what you'll see is that in trying to translate the original language, that it's not as clean cut as it may seem. 
And one of the things that I think Paul is trying to get across to us is this idea that as rational beings, as different than the rest of the animal kingdom or the way that God created the animal kingdom, that there is a way in which we're supposed to apply ourselves in our learning and in that learning that it has impact on us, impact on the way that we live. And a part of that impact should be to trust him. As he's been laying out all of these doctrinal truths, as we've been thinking about various ways in which we worship, ultimately, it's kind of this humbling position of the creator and the created. And and, and even though the world has kind of taught us that we can't really trust God, he has proven himself through the cross. See, that night when I was in that, that parking lot, it, I, I know it's not that I feel, I don't have goosebumps right now. It's not about some kind of emotion. I know you love me because of what you did at Calvary. Yeah, right, right. Supersedes the other things. Yes. You won't give yourself as a living sacrifice if you don't trust them. Our worship shouldn't just be beautiful words to the Lord. It should help us to come into a space as we see him aright, as we worship him as he is, the one who spoke all of creation into existence. Ex nihilo, meaning from absolutely nothing. That's how bad our God is. It was nothing that existed, and he said, let it be, and it was. Put us in a different position as we think about this God that helps us to lower ourselves and not to think of him as a better man or a better version or something. But he is completely different. He is something else. We trust him. We worship. By offering ourselves as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable. I think Paul's putting that there for us because it, has, it takes humility. God resists the proud. If you think God is supposed to love you or you're entitled to it, God resists that. There has to be a humility that you're presenting yourself to God. And when you like really kind of grasp hold of this kind of construct that the world has that is separated from God... You have to recognize that because that is in me, because that's what I was raised in, because that's the air that I breathe, I have to present myself. I have to be intentional. I can't hope it just happens. There has to be some intentionality behind me presenting myself as a living sacrifice to God. I have to intend to do it. So I have to reorder my life at times. I know for me, one thing that, that helped me, I, I, um, I grew up a hip-hop head. Um, yeah, man, I, I used to love, you know, I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but Cool Mo D was like, <laughs> go see the doctor, man. I, I love that song, LL Cool J, I'm bad. Like I was, I was, I remember in elementary school, I was into hip-hop. Like I didn't want to hear no R&B or country, nothing else, just hip-hop, all hip-hop. And when I got right with God in 2002, I knew that I couldn't keep listening to what I was listening to. 
I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I couldn't. And I, but I remember this ridiculous prayer I prayed to God that if you don't help me find something better than the Christian music I was hearing, I'm going to keep listening. <laughs> I'm going to keep listening to this. It was important for that transition in my life. I'm not saying this for you. I'm saying in my life because I grew up without a father. And hip-hop had become a dad to me. And it taught me how to treat women. It taught me that getting money was the sign of you really being a man. Being able to beat somebody else up was the sign of you really being a man. It gave me all of these ungodly practices that I truly desired to have because I thought that was the good life. I had to kind of reorder my life. And if, if you don't know it, there's, there's a lot of Christian hip-hop out there. And Kim, she was a part of the campus ministry. Um, she, she would get the fruit of the work that I would do because I wanted them to know that there was some good music out there. And hallelujah, there is. <laughs> what she didn't know is how many times I had to swipe. No, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. I don't like that. I don't like that. I had to work towards it. I had to be intentional that I was going to change the sound track of my life. Amen. And that I wanted to hear something that edified, that didn't glorify sin. I knew I needed that. God had put something in me to help me to understand that. Amen. This is a part of what it looks like to be a living sacrifice, to present yourself to God. Because it flows into what he says in, in verse 2. I know he didn't want me to be conformed to the world anymore. So he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of these very artists, lyrical theology, will learn certain concepts, propitiation, past, present, future sins, propitiation. That was Derek Minor. He's, he would say something like that in a, in a rhyme. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And I, and I could study. I, I, I position myself to, to learn from various avenues because I was presenting myself as a living sacrifice to God. And in this process of being presented to God, he, he helps to open up your mind and, 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 and he helps you to, to be transformed by renewing your mind. It's getting in scripture, studying scripture. Even sometimes I don't want to do it. So I got audio. Um, uh, uh, um, I, I, I listen to um, Streetlights Bible, which is like an audio um, Bible with um, lo-fi beats underneath of it, because I'm going to get this word in me whether it wants it or not. Well, if my, if my body don't want it, I don't care. You're going to get this word. Because I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. In this being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you look up and it's like growing, right? Like you, you can't tell that you've grown. It just seems like it happened. Maybe your pants got a little too short and you're like, <laughs> remember my boys was going through a growth spurt and it was like, hey man, didn't we just buy you some new pants? <laughs> Starting to count the money like, <laughs> I think you're tricking me, man. I think you just want some new clothes. But they hit a growth spurt later on. You look up and change happens. A lot of you guys know, 
three years ago when I was attacked. I don't know why I've forgiven that guy. I wasn't raised like that. Please hear me. I was not raised like that. The community I came from. You don't let that happen. You know I had an opportunity to really hurt him. God changed me. He changed me. I'm not in any way trying to bring some glory to myself. I just want you to understand that our Father will transform you to something that is better than what the world tries to conform us into. And what Paul says at the end of this, at the end of verse 2, it's just mind-blowing. That by testing, you may discern what is the, the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? 2010, I was living in Williamsburg, Virginia. And actually, it was, it was a year before that. It just took some time for us to, my wife and I, to get in, in agreement. But I, I remember God, he says to me, it's time for you to be prepared to be a pastor. And it was so clear. Like, God hasn't spoken to me many times like this, but it was so clear. I looked over my shoulder, like, who, who just said that? He was like, I guess our head was so hard, God's like, look, I'm going to have to do something a little supernatural. <laughs> and, like, I had this desire, like, I wanted to go to Oklahoma because I wanted to go to Oral Roberts University, or at the time I really liked Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and they have Rhema School or something. And I wanted to go there. And my wife was like, man, I'm not moving to Tornado Alley. What's wrong with you? <laughs> And then it was like the eastern seaboard. So I was like, well, let's go to the A. Let's go to ATL. We could live like kings down there. Do you know how (laughs) cost of living is so much lower there? We could live like kings, babe. What do you think? Of course, God opens up zero doors. And he directs us here. Some of the greatest blessings have have proven the good, acceptable, perfect will of God in my life. Sitting in a small group, and we were just talking. It was kind of after we've gone through the material, and the, the men were in one area, the women were in another area, and I had mentioned that my sons, Christopher and Christian, were they had just started new events, the hurdles and long jump. And I remember James saying, oh, you know, my wife competed in the U.S. Olympic trials doing hurdles and long jump. Maybe she could train them. Little did I know she also coached college and she was qualified to coach at another level. And she comes out of retirement and has been training my boys ever since. This is middle school. I've never met no one who had been in the Olympic trials before when I was living somewhere else. My daughter ends up getting into competitive cheerleading. And you find out that one of the best cheerleading gyms in the country is in this area. And that she was able to be on the team and learn from some of the best trainers in the country. 
You think I planned that? Like I I knew that that was going to happen? Maybe the most awesome thing is God distinctly told me to consider my wife's career. I remember, I remember the street I was on and everything. And she was getting opportunities in this area. And I was kind of mad at God. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go to D.C. I want to go to Atlanta. <laughs> See, this is the testing part. Like, like God invites you into the conversation. He allows you to commune with him. When, when we have this kind of worship, I still see him as God. But he's my father as well. And so I can express myself to him. He's going to get his way, but I can express myself to him. And he was coming to this area after a few years of being here. My wife started working at George Mason University. And she gets to go to school for free there, so she pursues her master's. And as she's working through that, she's really encouraged to pursue her Ph.D., and I remember I was on 28, and same way when, when God spoke to me. It was like, oh, yes, this is what God has called us here for, not just for me to be a pastor, but for you to get your Ph.D. And so we've been here since 2010, and it's like I'm watching, like, the most beautiful flower open up. As God is just pulling all of these gifts out of her, and the potential that she's had. It's just like... It is just amazing, man. I, I truly, like, I don't, I'm not trying to blow smoke. I really have married up. My wife is awesome. <laughs> but it is, as a living sacrifice, being able to test and discern, come to understand his will, that have made a move from this area to that area, and I've seen my kids blessed beyond my, my wildest imagination. I, I, I had an opportunity to take my kids to Disney World. I'm in my 30s when that happened. I'd never been to Disney World. I always wanted to go, but I, I, I wasn't able to go. And God opened the door for that. Like, it's, listen, the appeal. Listen to the appeal. Paul understood this. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul is not just giving an appeal because this is the right thing to do. He's seen his own life transformed. And the more and more is transformed, what I've experienced, what, what he is expressing to us in 2 Corinthians is that you see more of the glory of God. That you see more of him. And what you come to recognize is that he is our exceedingly great reward. That the cost that Calvary, that the blood that was shed was so that we could have what he designed us to have. To be able to enter into this relationship, this community of love that we find in the Trinity. What this world is offering, what, what the good life is, does not compare to that. It doesn't compare to that. So hear the appeal well. There is something wrong with this world. And I've been infected by it. So I need to present myself as a living sacrifice to God. 
that there are going to be ways he's going to teach me and renew my mind and change me. And I'm going to be able to discern his will. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for times like this where you show up and you, you really impact us. I pray a covering over your people that the things that were from you will be inscribed on our hearts and that you will stay the hand of the enemy who will look to come and snatch up the seeds. We need to, the fruit 30, 60, 100 fold to, to be able to live out what you want for us. It's an intimate relationship with you and for us to extend your kingdom so that others can come in and experience it as well. Daddy, will you glorify yourself by transforming us and changing us? Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.